we are, of course, engaging in a, a particularly important season of, uh, of life. Just before I come to the Word of God this morning, um, just two or three things to say. Number one, um, we do value feedback, and, uh, and uh, particularly, it's not always this case, but particularly if it's positive. Uh, we understand that sometimes people want to feedback otherwise, and as long as you do that graciously, actually we'll listen to that as well. But the reality is that the summer series that concluded last week over six Sundays, Stories That Lived, really did resonate with a number of people's hearts. I want to say thank you to you for taking the trouble to say thank you to us. I did honor the guys that had spoken in that series last week. But simply to remind us that Eugene Peterson said that stories invite us into a world that is larger than ourselves. And it did that. So I want to thank you. And we believe that everybody in this church has got a story. You may feel that yours has been a car crash, but God's about to turn it all around and give you an amazing purpose in his plans in Jesus' name. just want to encourage you also, just on the back of what Andy shared very briefly, to engage with the word of God. We, we repurposed our midweek a little time ago, really to coincide with something that we've been running with for a number of years now in Acts 2.42, that's why we call it 2.42, that they devoted themselves to prayer. What a great Tuesday and week last week to teaching, to breaking of bread that binds us together in community, and to fellowship. And uh, some of those uh, we're looking at afresh and continue to take forward, but to commit to prayer. Great day. Lot, good number of people here last Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock. Brilliant. And then ready to go to work. People coming during the day and then a great finish. And this week, we've got, as Andy says, three expressions of, of the word being sown into the life of the church. And so, <clears throat> at deeper, we... Is, is our DNA course. really want to understand afresh what it really means to make Arena Church tick. Our DNA then be there. Higher, uh, which Christian's going to lead, is our leadership track. Encourage people, younger people, and others that got a passion to be better in their leadership. Christian's done a great job there, just encouraging and sowing in. And then Stronger uh, is, is my back, and we're going to do 1 Corinthians over this autumn series. Now, we had a struggle f- fixing six chapters of Ephesians into last time, and of course the 16 in Corinthians, so we're going to have to actually not read all of it, but take snapshots. But the, the title is going to be taken from that great classic book on Christian doctrine by T.C. Hammond that says, In Understanding Me Men, generic term, so ladies don't feel pushed out. But the reality, God wants us to be passionate about maturity. One of the great banes of the 21st century church is that it's immature, particularly in a Western world. And we need to grow up and be what God's called us to be. And I encourage you to do that and to engage with all that God's doing. And just a couple of things on the back of that. Firstly, just on the back of what Christian shared prophetically this morning. I was reading a quote this week by C.H. Uh, Spurgeon. It says, there is nothing little about God. There really isn't. And as we were worshipping this morning, <clears throat> and you can receive this as some sort of desperate blow that's trying to get folks out on a Tuesday night, which it's not. Or you can hear it as a word of the Lord to your heart. I saw people as, uh, as safes. You know, a safe. You might have a safe in your house. We've not got one. You know, people come to our house, try and break in, then walk away frustrated because there's nothing to take. But, but, uh, <clears throat> but a safe. <clears throat> and you're looking at this safe, sensing it around the room, and you're, seeing, you're looking at the safe and you're trying to get access to the safe because you know that within the safe there's treasures, the treasures of the kingdom. Uh, the things that are opening up to you, they're beyond yourself. They're beyond just what you are and what you've got. And you realize that it's a richness. And I want to say that you cannot access that safe by your ingenuity. 
You cannot access it by your intellect, however clever you are or otherwise. You cannot access it by self-effort. You will not access it by religion. I really felt strongly that the way that you will access the safe is through the word of God. Receiving the word of God, humbly receiving it into your heart, implementing it into your life, it will give you access to all that God wants to open up to you for the treasures of your life. So we thank God for all that he's doing and we bless him in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 is the text for this morning. Under this banner headline that we're going to run with with six Sunday mornings called Called. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, it says these words. Paul called to be an apostle by Jesus Christ and by the will of God. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I want to speak this morning simply on the call of God. I never ever say this because in podcasts, uh, it's people's choice to go on a podcast. And I get a bit scary sometimes. Somebody says, oh yeah, I heard you on podcasts. Really? You know. We've got somebody, we've got a couple that came to this church for a season. And we, we, they sort of left, not for any wrong reasons, it was geographical. Uh, about um, 18 months ago, sort of living in another town, felt that was where they ought to be. And he asked for a reference from me some months ago. He said, oh, by the way, I still listen to Arena Messages on podcast every week. Really? You know. And uh, so what I'm saying this morning is, uh, is, is simply that we have got some young people away for various reasons this week. And I want to encourage people to get them to listen to this message on the podcast. Because I think they need to hear it. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to... Freshly affirm some values that sit heavy in the life of Arena Church. For instance, that people coming to Jesus Christ to be saved have a sense of calling. You are called to follow him. In fact, the Bible describes us as saints. The, 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 the English word church that works itself out in the New Testament language as ecclesia simply means called out ones. You know well enough now that this building doesn't define the church. The people do. We've been called out of darkness into light. And if you've not yet made that step, God calls you today. And then we have a value that you would find your place called in the body of Christ, serving the local community. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more next week. And then we want to also have the value that as you are called to Jesus, find your place in a community of believers that you bring a serving contribution to that community. Not because you have to, but because you've fallen in with Christ and his bride, it's called the church. And we're really going to encourage that in these weeks ahead. It's what we call the priesthood of all believers. Not my term, but one that sits in the annals of church history. That all says, this morning I'm going to go to something, friends, in the area of called, that whilst it may not apply to everyone, Hopefully, it will be appreciated by everyone. And it's the call of God to Christian ministry. You see, whilst we are all the priests of the believers, which means that none of us are better than any others, we're simply to be called servants. God takes hold of people in particular ways to use them with specific gifts for particular tasks. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Jesus Christ 
took hold of me or apprehended me. In the J.B. Phillips version, it says, Jesus grasped me. If I can put it into modern vernacular, friends, it was like a heavenly voice comes down and says, Oi, you're nicked. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is, friends, that people have been arrested by the call of God. It rests in his sovereign purpose and yet moves to a response that comes from hearts in the earth. For instance, friends, today, if you live a thousand miles metaphorically away in distance from the center of God's heart, it's unlikely you're going to hear a call. If you're indifferent or apathetic, it's unlikely you're going to hear a call. But as God draws hearts, I'm talking here to teenagers, I'm talking here to 17s and 18-year-olds, 21s, 22s. There's something you don't understand at all yet. You don't get all the Bible. But there's something stirring in your heart towards God. That becomes fertile soil for the call to come to people. The call of God can be difficult to define. And so I, uh, I read a book. I don't know whether I've been in, it's in my bag or whether... I read this book over the summer, which Christian kindly gave to me. And it's called Leaders Who Last. It's a pretty straightforward book. It's written in a direct fashion. But there's a chapter in there on the call. It's the best chapter I've read on the call in a long, long time. I think to some degree, as I was talking to Christian about planning this ministry, it sort of inspired me to say that first and foremost, before we get to some of the other things that will be applicable right across the body, we just need to freshly identify this call that comes to people in this day. So Dave Kraft says in Leaders That Last that the call is like falling in love. He says you can't really explain it, but you know you've experienced it. He says that the call is not purpose that originates from within, but calling comes from without. He says the call over his life was a watershed moment in his journey of following Jesus. And he says the call comes from on high, not from within, from God and not from men. The call defies age, status, gender, wealth, color, background, and uh, education. And God comes to use men and women. And as I mentioned last week, as we concluded the series on stories, often seemingly ordinary men and women, and uses them in ways that wouldn't seem possible humanly, but God's big. I've I've had people come to me at times angry. I'll come to that a bit later. But they're angry because they've listened to perhaps something I've got to say. They've observed my life. And they've worked out that in many ways, they're more talented than me. They're more intelligent than me. They're more educated than me. They're more naturally gifted than me. None of these things are difficult. And so they come angry. And I mean angry and say, why can't? I do what you're doing because it is not your call. You've got to find your call and not try and live in my call. And by the way, by the time we finish this, you're going to have to take a gulp as to whether you really want to be called or not. Like conversion, like coming to Jesus, the call can be dramatic. And becoming a Christian, some people think everything's got to be like Acts 9 where Paul, who was then Saul, was slain in the dust, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And of course, it can happen like that. But for some people, it's more gradual, and particularly in a postmodern world in which we live, 
Often people want to sort of work it through a little bit. They want to test the authenticity of the people they're going to do church with to see if they really are the real deal. Belonging, believing, all of that. And the fact of the matter is that whether it's dramatic or gradual, we all come to a realization that we've become believers of Jesus. It's the same with the call. Sometimes it comes incredibly dramatically. Other times it's a growing sense that God has placed something on people's lives. And in this challenging day in which we live spiritually in our nation, and indeed in the nations of the earth, prevailing local churches, of which Arena Church seeks to be part of, not saying we're it, but part of the prevailing church of God, I want to say, friends, it doesn't just happen. It needs to be led by called people. You see, church won't grow when it's led by people that say something like this. Oh, I was the only one left to do it. It won't grow when somebody says, well, leadership to me is it's like a bit of a hobby. It sort of keeps me out of mischief. It's not going to work, friends. It won't grow when somebody says, well, I've sort of taken early retirement, so I'm looking for something to do. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It works, friends, when passionate people are called of God, arrested by Jesus Christ, nabbed by him according to his eternal purpose, and they leave the church. And if I can say with humility, friends, this morning, that's what you've got in arena. You know, very often, Sharon and me will drive home on a Sunday, and we'll make a few comments about the, the service. And one of the things that we've said periodically is that Christian skill set means that he could get involved in all sorts of things that have nothing to do with the call. And if he doesn't mind me saying this morning, sometimes he's gone there because he's had to plot his journey. But he'll say something, and maybe you don't pick up on it, but he'll say something at times. I said to Sharon, there you go. It's the call of God. That's why he's doing what he's doing. That's why he's processed what he's processed. Because God's arrested him. God's put his hand upon him. He could be doing all sorts of things. But he's responding to the call of God over his life. And I want to say today, friends, that you might not necessarily agree with everything that takes place in the arena church. It would be a funny church if you did. That's why some churches never have leadership. Because they're frightened of people disagreeing with them. But we're not here to pamper, we're here to pastor. We're not here to get agreement about everything. We're here to lead people into the person of God. And we try and do that graciously and carefully and prayerfully. But the reality is, friends, we ought to be glad today that God has gifted the church with called people. I was saying to Pastor Colin before the service started that I'm thrilled that in Assemblies of God Central here, we've increasingly got people coming through that are saying we feel Men and women called. You see, because the demise of every Christian denomination historically has been on that basis. When people stop coming through called, we just perpetuate what we've had. And we get the person, nobody else to do it. That's not going to build church, friends, with the greatest of respects. And you need to know that when we hear bad publicity around our through our media and people telling us about the doom of the church. You need to know that God's at work. You need to know from the north to the south and the east and the west of these great isles, there are incredible people emerging with a call. And I'm pumped. Because the best of what God is yet to do in our nation is to come. It's not behind us. So I want over the next few minutes, and just to prove again, as I forgot to take my watch off, that I do watch the watch. I want to give four, three or four things of where I'm trying to go, what I'm trying to leave with you, and then I'm going to give a few things regarding the call. 
I'm going to try and lay in us today, friends, a declaration afresh publicly in Arena Church from the platform, from the pulpit, that we believe in this. We say to the heavenlies today that we believe in the call of God. Whatever you might try and do to diminish the call, to restrict it, to limit it, whatever you might do to intimidate or bring fear, we declare today that we're believing that in Arena Church, you're going to call people, Lord. You're going to call people to ministry. You're going to call people that are going to go to other nations. You're going to call people that are going to make incredible influence in this 21st century. We declare it to the heavenlies. We say also today, God, that we want you to give us a fresh ice insight into the call of God journey. So that thirdly, we might freshly appreciate what you are doing in people's lives. And fourthly, I want people today to have an open heart. As I've already said, you may be 13, 14, 15, 18, 19. You may be working through some challenges of becoming from a young girl to a woman, from a young boy to a man. It may be that you, you don't fully get everything that I say or Christian says. We understand all of that. But you know you're connecting with God. You know that he's saying something to you. You know that something stirs in your heart. Well, what about that person that's in arena this morning that's got a call, but for whatever reason, you've pushed it on the back burner. You've tried to forget about it, but you're in a season of your life where God's stirring it up again. I want you to listen carefully to the next few minutes regarding the call. So I've got five things. It was seven, but I thought we're never going to fit it in, so it's gone to five. <clears throat> Number one, the priority of the call. Called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It's not a job. It's not an industry. But it's a call to give your life away to Christian ministry. It's what the call is. And people have done that time and time again through the history of 2,000 years of the Christian church. They've forsaken lucrative careers pursuits of higher education, the comforts of home and familiar culture. They've had to face the brickbats of people that just don't get it for the cause of the call. It's impacted afresh this week by 1 Kings 19.21 when Elisha, in responding to the call, the anointing that was coming on him to succeed Elijah, says that he burnt his plowing equipment for the cause of the call. I think the problem with the call, friends, today is there's too many backups. There's too many easy backups. There's too many people living somewhere. Well, if it goes wrong, someone's going to sort me out anyway. But what if you've only got God? What if you've only got God? See, when the Romans invaded this nation all those years ago, and we won't go there, but they burnt the boats, and we're not going back. We're not going back. We're either going to conquer this or we're going to die. And the priority of the call is to wholly give ourselves to the Lord. Paul again in Philippians says, Whatever was gain to me, I consider it loss for Jesus Christ. The language of the New Testament, friends, is unmistakable. Devoted followers of Jesus, disciples, make him first in their life. That's for all of us. And if you're in Arena Church over the last few weeks... In Mansfield, you know the challenge of that. But inevitably, it reflects itself in the call. Yes, there may be occasions where 
ministers live by vocationally. Christian and me have both done that for many years. Where we tempt make. Where we do things that are necessary to help the journey. But never at the expense of losing the urgency of the priority of giving our lives away for the call of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect your gift. And then the absurdity of the call. The inarticulate, tongue-tied Moses was called to be a spokesman to a nation. Gideon, racked by inferiority complex. God stripped it away that he might lead a delivering army. And by the way, he says, never mind about 32,000. How about let's go in with 300? And then I'll really get the glory. Jesus' disciples, he said, I'm sending you out to sheep amongst wolves. It was absurd. It was ridiculous. They were described, friends, in the Acts of the Apostles as unschooled and ordinary. Driving that down to the literal language of the New Testament, it literally means they were ungrammatical idiots. In other words, people thought not much about these guys. And they turned the world upside down with the good news of Jesus Christ out of a call. And then what about the message? What's at the very root of the message of called people? It's a cross. Well, how absurd is that? Jesus Christ came to the earth 2,000 years ago. What relevance has that got today, Phil? It's absurd. But Paul, going to one of the great world centers of the day, says, it may be foolishness to those that are perishing, but to those that are being saved, it's the power of God. And we refuse to move away from the centrality of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ in Arena Church. We try and be contemporary. We try and be relevant. We try and put in to be ineffective in communicating this good news to a changing, rapidly changing culture. But we will never budge, friends, from the absurdity of the message that God invaded the world in Jesus Christ. Because we were lost and undone. And he's bridged the gap by dying on a cross and rising the third day. And if we will receive the gift of that sacrifice into our hearts, we will be changed forever. And all over this room, that has happened. We live in a nation, friends, where secularism and liberalism abounds. Where people laugh and scoff at the message of God. We live in a nation, friends, where increasingly people would sort of rail against the things of God in certain contexts. We live in a nation, friends, where people so often are following the pursuit of pleasure rather than the pursuit of God. And in all of that, God says, actually, it's absurd. Me getting hold of ordinary, frail men and women with a call, asking them to root their lives in a cross and thinking it's going to make any difference. But if we'll do it, it'll change people's lives forever. Thirdly, friends, the enmity to the call. By that, I mean the opposition to it. <clears throat> but you can see why I picked the word enmity. <laughs> Let me say today, friends, as I've declared to the heavenlies the call of God, that I also recognize, and I don't want to go overboard on this, that we have a spiritual enemy. His name's the devil, Satan. He hates the call of God. I'm going to try and illustrate it. I'm going to be very, very careful what I say now. But a few weeks ago, I was sat in a car with a friend of mine, a fellow member of the national leadership team of the fellowship that we serve, and I was just dropping him off. And we mentioned a name. 
And I think I try and keep up with things in terms of the Christian world. He said, oh, he's gone. I said, hang on a minute. He's gone. Yeah. And not in any sort of gossipy way, but out of concern, he began to just share with me that this man, for whatever reason, friends, has really lost his way. Now, I'm not going to give you any insights into who it might be, where he might live, or what the emphasis of his ministry is. Suffice to say that God has raised him up to express a particular ministry to the body of Christ in this season. And he's made some very, very wonderful statements as to his passion for it. But for whatever reason, friends, got involved in something that was inappropriate. And at this particular time, the ministry is not operating. I don't know how I drove home. You ever drove 15 miles and thought, I don't know. My mind was all over the place. Hopefully I didn't go through to any other red lights, but I won't go there. I got home and it was like I'd not driven. I thought, how can this happen? I've got one of these guys' books in my bookshelf. Wonderful book on revival. How could it happen? Wonderful man. But the enemy hates the call. You need to pray, friends, for those that are called. Pray for them. Let me just illustrate it briefly with Nehemiah, a called leader. My, he was the king's cupbearer. You couldn't get a more affluent position than that. Gold-plated pension. Just keep making sure the wine's okay. You're here forever, mate. But he was called. When I heard these things, I wept, I mourned, I fasted, I prayed. And if you chart the progress of the walls being built, by the time Nehemiah 6.15 comes, then the wall was completed. Well, isn't that a fantastic story? But on the journey, there was ridicule. People tried to stop him before he started. Happens every time. Every time I've gone to a new level in ministry, friends, there's been a new devil trying to stop me. Every single time. And interestingly, often it's been ridicule. (laughs) Anger, contempt, unholy alliances, compromise, accusation, and when all else failed, a prophetic deception. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Little wonder that Nehemiah says, now strengthen my hands. And friends, he did what God had called him to do. And forgive me for a moment for a personal reflection. But you say, well, that's Nehemiah. Well, what about Phil? Well, in the course of the call, friends, I've been spat at, sworn at, shouted at, shrieked at, screamed at, punched in the stomach, uh, interrupted in public ministry, confronted at the door, falsely accused of not believing in anything from divine healing to the same coming. I believe in both. And our prophetic utterances, we had a prophetic utterance over us by email just about a year ago. Somebody was so angry, we're still carrying on with Mansfield. Went through all the people that have failed in ministry in Mansfield and then wonderfully prophesied that we were going to fall and fail too. Wasn't that great? I wonder if you're still up for the call. There's been an inevitable impact at times on my kids. And uh, thankfully, friends, they've navigated all of that and they love Jesus with a passion. And we're so thankful that God has been faithful. What about people leaving the church? I can say in 34 years, friends, it's a handful, just a handful. 
they've sort of done it with, I think, the right way of doing it because there's always a sting in the tail. The ministry's not up to much. The music's not this. My ministry's not being recognized, etc., etc. And you're taking it. And if all else fails, friends, here's the coup d'etat. There's no love in the church. You've loved them, you've blessed them, you pray for them, you pump them, you encourage them. They know it's going to wreck you. And I want to say, friends, I wish at times that it didn't affect my innards. But it does every time. It does every time. Because I'm a cold shepherd. And the moment it stops affecting me is actually the moment I ought to go and start driving a van and get another job. The enmity to the call. It's not that the chords in this particular emphasis of what I'm expressing are better than anybody else. We're stronger together, friends. But you need to pray for people. I don't want great ministries being taken out. I really don't. I don't want people, friends, having to have awkward conversations with their family members because something's invaded their world that's inappropriate. I want them to live in the passion of their call. Fourthly, the naivety of the call. I'm not speaking about foolishness here, but I'm talking about maintaining a wide-eyed innocence to the call. Let me illustrate it. Some of you know that Alison, our youngest daughter, is a primary school teacher, and we honor teachers all around Arena Church, and we pray that you'll have a tremendous autumn term. The holiday seems a long way in the past already, doesn't it? By about half past nine on Thursday morning, it was gone. But we love the teachers of our church and we love people that have sewn in and, uh, and people like Chris as well that have sewn in in the past. Love all of that. And uh, so we, we sort of celebrate Alison's journey, which at 14, 15 years of age, if I can put it in that sense, became a call. Not in quite the sense I'm talking about, but a call to teach in public sector schools just to share something of what God wants to do. I says, Alison, what's your primary passion of being a teacher? He says, just to lay some hope into kids. Incredible. And so, while she was training to be a teacher, she found herself on placement. And she went to a number of inner city Nottingham schools. I could mention all of them, but I won't. Because we're on podcast. But she found it, shall we say, interesting. And uh, it was a great learning experience that set her up for what she's doing now. And uh, she found out that not only were the children a challenge, but so were the parents. And it was great. But she went to one particular school, and she walked into the staff room, and this older gentleman said to her, So, Alison, are you all right? She says, yeah. She's telling me the story. He says, whoo, whoo. I don't know what you're doing this for. Poor, it's not the job that it was. Uh, I'm glad I'm near retirement. Uh, if I had my time again, he'd lost his naivety. He'd lost his wide-eyed innocence of why he was teaching these kids something that, which would take him into the future. And I have to say, friends, to my shame at times, I come across ministers like that. They've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. Puffing and blowing, moaning about the people. Can't wait till they've finished, whatever that means. And then interestingly, when some of them have finished, they find it's not such a good idea after all. 
And I want to say, friends, that the passion of this church is that we would maintain, if I can put it this way, an innocence with regard to the call. That we maintain a youthful enthusiasm for the passion that is upon us. I've been around the block a few times, as you can tell. But I don't want to sit with younger men and women in our church saying, oh, forget the call. Good grief. You don't want to go there. Earn yourself a pile of money. Get yourself a decent job. You know, do something else. I don't want to do that. I want friends with candor. I've tried to be candid this morning. With realism. With challenge. To impassion in these days through a father in spirit. People that will rise up in our church and say, I want some of that. I want to believe that God will position me for a call. One great preacher and communicator, his name's Jeff Lucas. And if you've ever listened to Jeff, I defy you to go and listen to him and not be bursting at the sides within five minutes. He is incredibly funny. I've heard all the stories more than once, but somehow he keeps making me laugh. A great writer, a great communicator, and a great passion for the church of Jesus. I was listening to Jeff once writing, but hearing what he was saying. And he talked about the fact that as a 17, 18-year-old bloke with absolutely no Christian background whatsoever, working in the bank, Jesus Christ called him to be a follower of the Lord in a Pentecostal church in East London. And 12 months later, he was, he was um, on a youth camp in the Isle of Wight. And in the Isle of Wight, friends, he heard the call of God. He didn't have all the theology sorted out. He was probably still a bit of a pain in the neck in terms of his discipleship. But God called him. And he tells the story about years later, he was on the Isle of Wight. He located the field where the tent used to be. And he knelt down in the field, a friend. Nobody there. No come by our, no organ singing. He says, God, I give myself afresh to the core of my life. He kept his naivety. He kept it. I want to encourage you, friends, don't get curmudgeonly about your faith. Don't get cynical. Don't get critical. Don't live there. But live with an innocence before Jesus. It says, Lord Jesus, we understand certain things can happen at times that aren't easy to handle. But help us to keep loving you. Remember what God says to the church in Revelation? Don't forsake your first love. Your first love. As I close, the beauty of the call. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says that this treasure is contained in earthen vessels. And yes, the ministry at times can be a little ugly and unpleasant, but all, friends, there's a beauty. Phil Greenslade, a great Bible teacher, likened it to a musical composition. And Bill Hybels, writing in Courageous Leadership, a book that many of you have read, defines the day where God changed his life forever. He was sat in a college class listening to Dr. Gilbert Bazilkian, who began to speak upon Acts chapter 2 and the beauty of the church community. And he made a call. He said, I wonder if in this age, 2,000 years after that church began to meet, there could be people that would rise up to believe for the beauty of the church to be reflected again through the beauty of the core. And some of you know the background to Heibel's in the sense that his father owned a wholesale grocery business, having emigrated from Holland into Chicago. Bill was lined up to take the business on. It would have meant, friends, that he would have been a multi millionaire and he gave it all up for the course of building the church of Jesus Christ and today 25,000 people meet in that church to worship the living God and to hear his word the beauty of the call and so we finish last week there was a few laughs around this week I'm sorry it is a little bit 
more serious. But as somebody says, great ministry balances levity with sobriety. And it's been a bit more serious this week, friends. And I'm sorry, I don't, please don't hear me. I hope it's not been heavy. But there is a seriousness about the call of God. There is a sanctity about it. There is a solemnness about God stepping into the history of mankind and calling people to do something for him. And so I take you to a story just a couple of years ago at Mattersea on graduation day. And students were receiving their certificates, having successfully graduated from their course. And it's great to have Danielle with us today. and She's well on that journey. And we look forward to a day in the future, Danielle, of celebrating with you. But also there were people at that day that had done master's degrees. In other words, they'd done sort of some study and now they were doing additional to that. And somebody came to the stage to share a testimony of how God had helped him. His name's Andrew McCourt and he's been to his church. It's a great church in the city of Belfast, or Belfast, um, where he comes from. And he's a great Ulsterman, passionate for the Lord and loves Jesus. And Andy shared about the call of God. And he said that somebody spoke to him once and said, Andy, did you hear an audible voice? He said, no. I heard something much louder than that. Friends, I've never heard an audible voice from heaven regarding the call of God. But I want to say I've heard something much louder than that. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I ask Arena Church today, friends, to develop and broaden amongst us God's purposes and plans. We're going to help us going forward so that in this season we come out of it with a fresh sense of calledness. Not just me, not just Christian, but every one of us living in the zenith of our purpose and destiny, serving the body of Christ. We need it. You've even seen again this morning through that fantastic project that's opened up with the allotment. We need people finding that place. It's an easy answer for me, that one. Some of you know me well. Green fingers is not part of the gift that God has endowed to me. I'd kill the plants. I'm sorry. I'd kill everything. (laughs) But I love a great garden. And you're going to do an awesome job, Kat, and the team. Beautifully written this morning. Thank you. And the challenge to us this morning, friends, is that we'd freshly appreciate the call of God. Called. You know, Christian and well and me enough to know that we're not talking about echelons, superiority, lording it over folks. It's not coming over, it's coming under. But recognizing that God calls men and women, he has done for 2,000 years, and he continues to do in these days, to bring a particular vocational expression of his purposes to the ministry. It may not be your bag, but please pray for those whose it is. But the challenge is this morning, and maybe some people have pushed back on it, to say, I wonder if you've heard the call. I wonder if you've been coming to church. I wonder if you're a little lad, little girl in the meeting. And somehow deep in your heart, you know that God's doing something. I was 17, 18, friends, going through a renewal period in our youth group in Nottingham. I came out of it with a call. I just knew it. I couldn't explain it like I've done this morning, however poorly that's been. I couldn't put it into theology. I just knew it. I just knew it. I just knew it. I'm going to leave the last word with Dave Craft. Because he says the need for called leaders 
He's great. And he asked the question, in this next generation, where are the God-called anointed leaders? Let's pray.